Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to your community spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. High energy prices are prompting a new push for conservation and efficiency programs. I'm Steve Pomplin for Earthwatch Radio. When the federal government deregulated the electric utility industry in the 1990s, there was one clear loser, energy efficiency and conservation. Martin Kushler is with the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, a nonprofit group. He says utility funding for energy-saving programs, which had been required by law, dropped by about 50% under deregulation, reaching a low point in 1998. Kushler says more than 20 states now require utilities to spend money on energy efficiency in both residential and commercial sectors. That might mean helping low-income rate payers insulate their homes or subsidizing the installation of more efficient industrial motors. But it's been slow going. Kushler says there wasn't a lot of public interest in energy efficiency through the 1990s because utility rates were low. Natural gas was cheap and seemingly plentiful. But prices have shot up in large part because more power companies are burning natural gas to generate electricity. Kushler says people are increasingly concerned about their utility bills, but there's a lot left to do to make homes and businesses more energy efficient. There are a number of reasons why customers, both residential and commercial, don't take advantage of energy efficiency on their own to the extent they should, lack of information, financial hurdles, and so forth. So it takes some kind of dedicated government focus on this. There have to be policies and programs, but These have been very successful, and and they are able to save energy at a cost of less than half of what it costs to acquire new supply. That's Martin Kushler of the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy. Earthwatch Radio is a service of the Gaylord Nelson Institute and the Sea Grant Program at the University of Wisconsin. Good day. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Treeson. And um, I guess I'm back in Southern Illinois. I should say uh-huh. hello to everybody. Yes, you Even made it though back. I don't really care to say hello. <laughs> I mean, I was in Mexico f- for three weeks, and um, people people told me it was nice and warm here the whole time I was gone. And it then was. The day I got back, there was I'm driving back from St. Louis, and there's like. <laughs> a storm as I'm driving back. It's yeah. like pouring rain, and then I get back, and then it's been cold since. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I brought you the cold weather from Mexico. <laughs> well, see, I heard you were coming into town, and I, you know, pulled a few strings and said, "Hey, let's bring the cold back for Orr." Yep. So <laughs> I guess I should first hit some happenings because, as usual, this is a happening town. But as usual, some people forgot to let us know. Yes. <laughs> so guilt sometimes works, but. Here's uh, the people who let us know. Um, food Not Bombs. Free dinner and open mic every Sunday at 6 p.m. at 913 South Illinois Avenue. That is at the Interface Center. And there's an actual pretty um, 
interesting little drawing here. It shows a piece of bread, plus a symbol for music, plus a smiley face, and then it shows a bomb crossed out. So I guess it means um, food and music equals happy people with um, no bombs. So see you at the dinner table. That's every Sunday. Yeah, and they, I like how they those hieroglyphs you described, you know, you know, food, not bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, while I was gone, they did uh, um, an event for Saluki Cycles, which is the free yellow bike program, and I got to read um, some pretty good articles in the paper. There was one in the DE, and there's one in t- this week's Nightlife. Yeah, yeah, we can actually mention some here from the Nightlife. Uh, Two Wheels Good, the Student Environmental Center, which kicked off the Saluki Cycles program with 10 bicycles in September of 2005, is about to double the size of its fleet. The SEC and other sponsors announced at a Groundhog Day press conference. Saluki Cycles, based on a program launched at the University of Kentucky at Lexington, allows SIU students to check out bicycles and safety equipment from the Student Recreation Center base camp for free. The goal was to promote exercise and pollution-free transportation. In addition to the 10 existing bicycles and the 10 Saluki cycles that they hope to add, the fleet contains four kick bikes that were donated by Dave Nadolewski, the Carbondale region's kick bike vendor. This whole program is excellent, Nadolewski said. I hope it spreads across the country. (laughs) So that's I guess he's not aware that it's actually around the world. <laughs> yeah, around the world, you know, not just... Well, we're we're actually, like, hooking in on the stream of the rest of the world. Yeah, like, so tapping into the planetary movement. So <laughs> it, is, it is spreading across the country. We're helping spread it. Yep, spreading so. it by two wheels. <laughs> yeah, so um, meetings are every Monday night at 9 p.m. at Trace. If you want to get involved, this is and I hope will be um, a long-term project. Mm -hmm. I mean, so far there's 10 bicycles at the rec center, and then I understand there'll be another 10 somewhere in student housing. But then, of course, need to put 10 or 20 in the community also. So, um, Yes, before you know it, we may have more bicycles on those roads than cars. (laughs) Wow. See, I'm, I'm seeing far into the future here. <laughs> well, it matters what city you're in. Yeah. <laughs> Some cities are that way. Is paying your energy bills taking your last penny? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Is If your household has not applied for energy assistance this heating season, you should contact the Western Egyptian Outreach Office in the county you reside to make an appointment or for a house visit. Uh, the program runs through May 31st. Um, man, you have to actually make a lot of money. Well, <laughs> compared to my income, yeah, um, to not be eligible to receive the seating assistance. So in Jackson County, you should call 684-3341 for heating assistance. So. Yes, that's that's another happening. <laughs> and then, <coughs> tonight, I've actually read about this, and I thought it would be pretty interesting to go see. Friday Night Films. Well, they changed the name. 
or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe I think they just posted it differently this time. I have a hard time <laughs> saying what the name usually Free is. Free Film Fridays. <laughs> See, Tree Song said it for me, so I don't have to <laughs> say it now. Um, today is February 10th, so at 7 p.m., Girlhood will screen at 7 p.m. this Friday at 214 North Washington Street. That's the Big Muddy Independent Media Center. This new documentary film by Liz Garbus tells the story of Shannon and Megan and their dramatic journeys through the juvenile justice system and back out to the bleak streets of East Baltimore, Maryland. With unprecedented access to the system and to the complex inner lives of the protagonists, the film provides somewhat shocking insight into the world of young women at risk. If you would like more detail about this film, either show up at um, 214 North Washington Street tonight at 7, or you can go to BigMuddyIMC.org. And the Big Muddy Independent Media Center, you can, too, post stuff on it because it is an open source media. Yes, and that sounds like a really interesting movie. I, You know, coming up with movie ideas this month, my idea for last week was that that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. <laughs> and for this week, some sort of romantic comedy. But, you know, I think they came up with much better suggestions than I had. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, we'll be right back.
I'm, I get rid of the hope for new tomorrows. Like, <laughs> I don't think tomorrow we're going to get sun, so. Yeah, but I'd, sometime, someday. I thought I'd bring that one because, you know, I need to bring some sun from. Yeah, we could have also told them the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe next time. How about we just, uh, the sun will come out in a week. Yes. That's good enough for me. I don't think I could handle more than a week of no sun. Sun will come so, out by August. Um, I was going to play one, um, one human, one vote, mm-hmm. because while I was in Mexico was the primary. Oh yeah. For the president of Mexico, and so there was um, down there the, I mean it was only the primary, but it was already a circus. I mean it was very interesting how. Mm-hmm how very adamant everybody down there is um, about the electoral process. Um, nobody really cares about voting, but they're very adamant who they like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and who they don't like is, um, well, our president and their <laughs> president. Yeah. Because they say they are um, puppets on the same string. <laughs> Um, especially with, of course, the immigration. Um, and they don't like the current president because anybody who lives in the U.S. has a hard time voting. There's like, I mean, even if you're a Mexican citizen, like we have it, if our citizens are anywhere in the world, yeah, they, can vote. they get to vote. Absentee. Mexico does not have that. Um, for the first time ever, some U.S. organizations have set it up where they will bus people from the U.S. to Mexico to register, and then they have to go back like two or three weeks later to actually pick up their voter registration card. Oh, yeah. So they have to go twice. (laughs) Um, They registered a couple hundred thousand people that way. But, okay, on the Bush bashing note, less money, more problems. (laughs) Um, I have to read these because of uh, Bush's State of the Union. yeah. Bush's 2007 budget slashes funding for energy conservation. When President Bush said America is addicted to oil, we thought he meant that was a bad thing. (laughs) Apparently not. Bush's proposed 2007 budget increases funding for oil and gas drilling on public lands and slashes $100 million from the Energy Department's most effective conservation programs. This includes a 30% cut to a program that helps poor Americans weatherize their homes and install efficient heating and air conditioning products, and a 9% cut to the Energy Star program, which promotes energy-efficient products. Some incentives authorized by last year's energy bill, like a $90 million public outreach campaign to increase energy conservation, go largely unfunded. But what about that promised new research into alternative fuels? Yes. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Bush proposed $381 million extra for the renewable energy development falls short of the spending approved in last year's energy bill. <laughs> and a fair bit of it goes to nukes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we believe the relevant term here is enabler. <laughs> so... Um, Straight to the source, the Boston Globe, MSNBC, Associated Press, all the 8th of February, 2006. I actually did a a speech in, um, 
at a conference in Alton, Illinois this weekend, and um, it just kind of popped into my head that there is a, needs to be a new 10-step program for the Oil Addicts Anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> Oil Addicts Anonymous. And I know, you know, step one, which, you know, I repeat your name, <laughs> am addicted to oil. Yeah. And we've already got uh, Mr. Bush through step one. <laughs> that is true. Oh. 11 to go. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Do we do a 10-step or a 12-step program? Oh, it's yeah. Like, let's do a 30-step program. Just like <laughs> Give it back the extra time. You know, I mean, people have been addicted to oil for 100 years. Yeah. You know, a 30-step program mm. will ease people into it. I was really excited, too. You know, he starts talking about this advanced energy program he has, and he's going to, you know, bring all of this, all of these renewables. And, and he was talking the talk and yet not walking the walk. <laughs> well, it, um, I heard, um, I, I recently read a history of the State of the Union speech. Yeah. And over time, it has become uh, less based in reality. That's, <laughs> I mean, the original State of the Union speech was actually, um, was, you know, spoken in front of very few people. Mm -hmm. And then one president decided, well, this isn't reaching enough people, so he mailed it <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. And then... You know, then they start doing radio, and then they start doing TV. Yeah. And as it's progressed, it's become more and more of a speech not based in reality. I yeah. Mean, so it started out as kind of like the the meeting minutes for the past year, like, well, we've got you know two million dollars in the treasury, you know, blah blah blah. But now it's, oh, we're going to do this big political grandstanding. So I don't want to repeat what I just said, but I'm going to read another one. Derek Cheater. Huh. Bush administration proposed the drilling off of Florida, Virginia, Alaska coast. When President Bush said addicted to oil, we thought, wait, we, we said this already. <laughs> um, yesterday, the administration proposed new oil and gas drilling off the coasts of Florida, Virginia, and Alaska, including areas covered by a long-standing moratorium on offshore energy development. The proposal needs propo um, approval from, you know, both the White House, no worries there, <laughs> and Congress, of course, you know, a furious battle seems certain. Virginia's delegation is enthusiastic, enthusiastic about possible state revenue, and many inline, inland states, you know, read some farm and industrial group, support legislations that let states opt out of the moratorium. Mm -hmm. But California and Florida and many other coastal states want to protect their tourist friendly beaches huh. you know they don't want offshore oil drilling because you know that oil tends to spill and wash up on shore yes and tourists okay we believe the relevant term here is enabler <laughs> wait we said that already okay straight to the source the richmond times dispatch planet arc reuters the wall street journal we have a cornucopia of papers the 9th of february 2006 Yes, that reminds me of uh, an old saying, oil is well that ends in oil wells. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, that was a good one, though. Speaking of sayings, I came up with a new slogan. I don't know if you'll like it for our show. Um, we give you the dirt to help you grow things. Yes. So hopefully. We give you the dirt to help you grow things, a new society. And uh, and I w we were talking about this earlier, and I said we could also say, you know, we give you dirty news. <laughs> yeah, we do. We tend to um, 
do a lot of in dirty environmental things. Yes. You know, get our hands into the dirt of it. <laughs> so. So let's see. In other news, let's see if we can find a good one here. Uh, let's see. The, the only boy who could ever teach me. Evangelical leaders launch new campaign to fight global warming. Oh, I, I know are, the song. Are they fighting global warming or are they fighting Bush? <laughs> well, so that's, that's, that's a good question. I know the song they're talking about, though. The only boy who could ever teach me. <laughs> yes. I was wondering what that line was. I couldn't. Eh. Yeah. So, so the news. 86 evangelical Christian leaders have joined together to launch an evangelical climate initiative and call for federal legislation to reduce carbon dioxide emissions via a cap-and-trade market system. This move comes after 22 evangelical leaders, including Bush-friendly political heavyweights James Dobson and Charles Colson, warned the National Association of Evangelicals against issuing such a statement earlier this month. The NAE didn't sign on to the new statement, but its president, Ted Haggard, said he's personally convinced that global warming is real and dangerous. And NAE Vice President Rich, uh, Richard Sizik helped persuade other leaders, including best-selling author and megachurch leader Rick Warren, to get on board. The initiative plans to spread its message via programs at churches and Christian colleges and an ad campaign in targeted states says a planned TV ad, quote, The good news is that with God's help, we can stop global warming for our kids, our world, and for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Straight to the source, the New York Times, 8th of February, 2006. So there's, we've heard a lot about faith-based initiatives. There's a faith-based initiative to end global warming. <laughs> well, you got to have the faith. Meter Aid. New power meters help customers cool juice use. Millions of California residents will soon be able to see at a glance how much electricity and money is being gobbled up as they flip on their hair dryers and plasma TVs. California regulators and two of the state's biggest utilities are rolling out a $2 billion program to install advanced electrical meters in select homes. The devices display how much electricity a customer is using and how much it's costing in real time, encouraging folks to cut back during peak hours. The utilities will use the data provided by the meters to offer variable rate plans that award good power behavior, well, like running dishwashers off-peak, to help alleviate California's perpetual power crunches. Um, this is straight to the source, the Los Angeles Times, the 6th of February, 2006. Well, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. When your power grid starts getting all goofy, start trying to conserve energy. Um, we're actually putting these same type of meters. They, they just put one in my house. Ah. But um, it's the only people who can read it right now is the utility company. But soon they'll have it, you know, in the future. I mean, hmm. they can read it. Basically, they read it through the power lines, the meter. Um, and so it wouldn't be too difficult for them to then transfer that information to a website so you can hmm. see it yourself. Yeah, to see your own. Right. And so that will happen pretty soon. <laughs> they could even add uh, special sound effects, like you're consuming a bunch of energy. Danger, <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> Overload. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, 
That'll teach you to put pee in frogs. Yeah, you didn't know what I was highlighting <laughs> there, did you? Yeah, no. <laughs> Lethal frog fungus spreads by pregnancy test, researchers suspect. The weird non sequitur of the day, a skin fungus that's killing off frogs worldwide may have been spread by a pregnancy test. Yeah, we got the same confused look <laughs> when we hear the news. <laughs> a few decades ago, African clawed frogs were used to detect pregnancy with surprising accuracy. The hopper would be injected with the woman's urine, and if she was pregers, <laughs> the frog would spawn within a few hours. These foretelling froggies were exported all over the world and may have taken with them the, the chytrid fungus, which has been found on all continents except Asia and Antarctica and is likely to be responsible for the extinction of about 75 harlequin frog species in South and Central America in the last 17 years. Thanks to global warming, and what can't we think, thank global warming for these days, <laughs> warmer tropical temperatures have provided a perfect climate for this fungus to spread. Straight to the source, Reuters, The Independent, 4th of February, 2006. So, poor little froggies. And our final news, the Sweden Hereafter. Sweden aims to be oil-free in 15 years. It's official. Sweden is the coolest com- country ever. Ever. Yay. Are already widely admired for meatballs. Eki- uh, what is it? Ikea? Yeah, Ikea. And um, other Swedish stuff. <laughs> the country <laughs> yes. has now announced it's an aim to be oil-free economy by 2020. The Swedes cut the percentage of their energy coming from oil by 77% in 1970 to 32% in 2003, and they're favoring biofuels over nuclear power to get them down to, well, zero. Only 8% of Swedish homes are heated by oil today, and thanks to tax breaks, Swedes can fill their sobs with ethanol-based fuel for a third less than they'd spend on ordinary gasoline. Upon hearing that President Bush had declared America addicted to oil, Swedish Prime Minister Gorian Pershing expressed relief that, quote, at last there's someone, there's one more who understands the problem. <laughs> Guess he didn't get Bush's, uh, didn't mean it, uh, follow up. <laughs> That's a, just a joke memo. Um, totally awkward. Note that this blurb contained not one single Swedish chef joke. That's the kind of maturity we bring to environmental journalism. Straight to the source. The Guardian, the 8th of February. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer, Associated Press, the 7th of February. And the New York Times, the 5th of February, 2006. Yes, we would never joke about the Swedish chef. (laughs) I just said we're mature. We are mature. We're very happy that Sweden is becoming ecologically sound. And um, in your community spirit news, I heard that you can now either download our show onto a regular computer or you can podcast it. Yes. So whether you're a podcaster or you just have no context for such things, you can go to yourcommunityspirit.org and there will be links for you there either to download a single episode or to sign up for the podcast. (laughs) Or if you would like to email us with you know, money, <laughs> um, or just say, you know, what a bad show you did. Our emails are on that website, yourcommunityspirit.org. Have a happy, healthy, 
And what should I say? Warm. Warm. <laughs> it is, well, last night it got down to 20 with uh, a wind chill of 14 at my house. It was in the teens. Yep. So <laughs> stay warm. I'll see you next week. Let us know what's happening in your town because we will announce it.